Welcome to this week's Golf Alternative Podcast, the only podcast out there that gives you the best in PGA Tour golf betting tips and the best in alternative music. Uh, my name is Martin Matthews. You can find me at Sundog Monkey on Twitter, uh, and um, you can follow the pod at the Golf Alternative. If you are just request, if you are enjoying the pod every week, uh, please do. Um, and you listen on Apple, please do give us an Apple review. Uh, that would be hugely appreciated. Um, five star ratings really help to boost the pod up. So we've had some great reviews so far. So if you're enjoying the pod, please do give us a rating. Um, right. Um, Going to crack straight in, and uh, we're going to try not to have a pity party this week, but uh, I think you probably know what uh, I'm going to be talking about first of all. But uh, before we get into talking about last week's golf, uh, delighted to welcome this welcome in this week's guest, uh, and it's a third time on the pod, uh, and um, uh, third time um, lucky, hopefully we can get some winners between us this week. Um, but um, delighted to uh, welcome back uh, Ben Coley. Ben, thank you so much for joining me again. Um, how are you, Keith? You're probably about the same as me today. I'm great. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Hello, Martin. Um, yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Um, we don't uh, uh, re reunite on in better circumstances, but it's only golf, um, and and your plight is is worse in terms of the um, brutality of what happened last night uh, than my just general naff form. So uh, the well, sympathy, sympathy can form. be yours. I've been in generally naff form as well, which is why uh, uh, it's been been frustrating frustrating to um uh, obviously now having the form has turned the corner as it were not to have uh, bagged a winner over the last couple of weeks for those who might be brand new to the pod and um didn't see my tips uh, or hear the pod last week uh we are talking about um the um uh the 18th hole debacle disaster from Sohith Thagala who I should add the caveat I mean I was hugely impressed with all week he played fantastically I thought yesterday for 17 holes it was a little bit um i mean i think that's just his uh i think you probably agree ben i think that's just his personality to be a little bit shall we say uh wear his heart on his sleeve um but um yeah i mean well i'll, I'll let you because i just can't even bring myself to talk about it i mean what what did you make of how he played the 18th hole um i mean is it one of those where if he strikes it up the middle no one's saying you shouldn't have taken driver and it's all, all hindsight so what what were your thoughts on how that hole played out yeah, I think it's very hard to criticise him for hitting driver. Um, I know, uh, like, I, I, I'm a big fan of Nick Faldo, probably all, all the more so after some of his comments last week. But sometimes, you know, even the greatest of players of their generation, they they don't necessarily move with the times. Um, and And... I think he's wrong to suggest that laying back was the shout because then, you know, you face a very difficult shot over a bunker to a tight pin. You can miss the green left into the runoff. You can come up short in the bunker. Um, it, the players driver off that tee. We've seen it down the years. Even Ken Duke and Chris Stroud, two of the shortest hitters around, were whacking drivers down there when mm -hmm. they had that playoff. So I think the driver's no issue um, because th those that bunker on the left is really long as well. So, yeah, you know, he, he was dead unlucky to run up in into the, face of it where he did yeah. obviously the mistake is in not going out sideways um, yeah. or playing the shot he eventually played for his third i mean mm. if i can be slightly you know cruel uh, and i didn't tweet this publicly i i put mm. it in a reply to someone who not many people follow so it doesn't get seen by that many people because it is a bit cruel <laughs> and it would have got loads of likes and it's the sort of thing you have to remind yourself that that really is means yeah. nothing um but his caddy i had a look at who his caddy was because obviously they were talking about his caddy I, and i went yeah. on the caddy network website checked out who his caddy was and 
who have you previously caddied for? And there's only one name there, and it was the name Cameron Tringali. Um, and I right. thought, um, okay. yeah, that explains okay. a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I listened, to, I, I pushed myself to listen to his interview this morning. I don't know if you heard that. And uh, um, I mean, in regards to the, the, the two key shots, I guess the, the drive, he said that, um, all right, he was consciously carved out right on on um, Saturday. Uh, and obviously, bogey the same hole. But um, he said that was his, that's his stock shot he'd been hitting it great just the fade um you, you know uh uh fade out sort of on the line of the trees and what have you and um he, he just said he felt so comfortable hitting it he didn't think twice about hitting it and uh yeah so he said and then he just said but i guess it didn't fade so, <laughs> or fade as much as it should have done and then with the second shot and he, he's he, you know he's the golfer not me of course um he um he, he basically said that he thought it was doable. He just didn't hit it great. Um, he, he said, you know, it was a. Uh, he, he didn't make it out to be now. Whether it was just him telling himself that afterwards, because you know it sounded better in his head than just you took on a ridiculous shot you shouldn't have taken on. And he did say he'd have. He said, I guess I'll have to have a look back at it. But he he felt that he just he basically he said he just didn't hit it right. Um, uh, you know, otherwise it wouldn't have been a problem. Now, I mean, to you and us laymen watching it, looked like an almost you know suicidal shot but he, he claimed he just didn't hit it right and so um what do you say so but um it's time his time will come i mean i'm assuming you'd agree with that he's he's too good to not i mean obviously he'll win one day but i wouldn't be surprised to uh, i mean did, did did he cross your short list for this week uh, did no he didn't that? and look i, I don't want to i know it's it, it there's a risk here of just um, coming on a podcast and reassuring each other that we're both brilliant, um, <laughs> despite evidence to the contrary. Um, but but I, ha I have to say, I, I read a few previews after I've published mine. I generally try not to read them before, and obviously um, yes, quite a lot of the timeline yeah. are out first anyway. But um, I read that selection sometime in the week, actually. I didn't read it as early as I usually would, which would be like a Tuesday afternoon. And I mm. thought the case for Thigala was, was just fantastic. Um, all, all the things that, you know, um, we can all see stuff in a form book and stuff like that, but to put different pieces of the puzzle together and and to speculate in the way that you did about the the Bubba Watson um, potential link and, yeah, and Phoenix yeah. and stuff like that, so it's a brilliant case. Um, and it's a shame it wasn't rewarded. His time will definitely come. You know, I mean, yeah. th there's no question about that. And um, I, I guess one of the things I also thought when I read your previews, actually, I, I hadn't quite. I think I'd underestimated how well he'd done this year because I kind of, yeah. I kind of just thought, okay, Memorial and Phoenix and and nothing much else. But he's just played plenty of solid golf, hasn't he? Yeah, that's so, it. He's been making, you know, even that. And I think I said that in the preview. I'm, you know, putting to one side um, the the sort of a uh, course compatibility, the bubble Watson thing, etc. Um, I. You know, he's just been playing great golf, and I thought he was a little bit overpriced, to be honest. Um, just on, you know, I think he'd made some like nine cuts running or some, something like that. So, um, but uh, yeah, it wasn't to be. And it's um, for regular listeners, the pod, you'll know that's back to back uh, second places, all, all very different situation with Zalatoris the week week before, and obviously delighted for Matt Fitzpatrick. But still, he was a uh, he was two up through the twelfth hole, and uh, as I said to Ben Coley. Last, uh, sorry to Ben Coe, he said to Dave Tendall <laughs> last week. Um, uh, it's uh, two up through 12, uh, never, um, never seems to win, except it did win yesterday. It never wins when I'm on them anyway. So, um, but uh, anyway, it wasn't all woe for me. I mean, you had what did you make of Cantlay? I mean, you must have been hiding behind the sofa after the first few holes. Um, no doubt. yeah, that's one, one way to put it. Um, his head went, didn't it? Um, yeah, what can you say? His head totally and utterly went. I thought, I mean, obviously, 
for me it was like in, in a strange way i i know it's simplistic but i if they just got to carry on on saturday you know the way he was playing on saturday there was only one winner of that tournament i think yeah. as we see what happened on sunday and, and all credit to Chauvelet for for winning it's yeah. never easy but i think everything we saw confirmed what we all would have felt which is that he's vulnerable or at mm-hmm. least he's beatable um and had Cantley played his A game yesterday, I think he'd have won the tournament. Um, yeah. And it, it's unfortunate that he didn't. Um, and, and after the birdie on the second, that's the, the thing for me, like the birdie mm. on the second to get level after bogeying the first, I, I thought well, this is somehow it's the dream start when it looked like the nightmare. And and after that, he never he was never at the races. Um, and I think the telling moment was really on seven um, when he hit it in the cabbage on the left. I think it was seven. Mm. Um, and he and his caddy were having a, a fairly, you know, sensible conversation about what to do and, and running through the options. And it's he just lost patience and said, "I'm just going to hit it." Um, mm. yeah, and and the, the same on 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 the next shot, his chip shot. He said, "I, I don't know how I get this on the green, but I'll just give mm. it a go." And I, I just thought he'd given up. Um, and actually, I know, you know, he probably needed to come home in thirty or something. I haven't, I can't confirm exactly what it is, but he wasn't totally out of it. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, you know, it happens and. I know you mentioned the Shriners when when he went missing from the lead there, and he, mm. he's one of those that when it goes, and perhaps that in some way um, explains why he struggled a bit in majors. I don't know, but um, yeah, disappointing. But look, I've, uh, in the end, he's been beating a mile. It's a seventy-two hole tournament. Um, mm. You know what can I say? Just not very good. Yeah, uh, I mean, um, coming back to Zander winning, and I don't, you, don't know if you saw me put this out on Twitter this morning, but I do find it quite interesting. And I thought this, and I didn't say it at the time, but I thought it after uh, JT won the PGA. But uh, things out of, um, you know, we've had two wins there, obviously the major win for JT and um, the the win for Xander. And the narrative completely changes. So uh, as in the media narrative and and just the general consensus. So after JT won, um, there was an awful lot of talk, of course, about how, you know, he'd really hit the shots down the stretch, which he did. There's no doubt about that to put himself in the position he did. But ultimately, he'd struggled on the Saturday when he'd been in a great position through 36 holes. So if, if Mito had parred 18 um, at uh, Southern Hills, then you'd have probably still heard that narrative about, um, you, you know, just as obviously you're hearing about Rory, sort of Justin Thomas, he's, he still can't build on the first major and he had his chance, et cetera, et cetera. Similarly with Xander yesterday, um, if um, Thagala does what he, you know, should be doing and pars 18, and let's assume maybe then that Xander doesn't birdie 18 because there's more pressure on him to do so. And obviously it's all lifts and ends. But uh, at the end of the day, like you said, Z- Xander only shot 68. So if Sahith birdies 18 and wins it, then we would be getting exactly the same story, wouldn't we? That Xander can't close and what have you. So I, so, so sometimes, I guess, if you keep putting yourself in contention, then the wins will sort of eventually fall. And I suppose that's what you can say happened for Xander and Thomas. But ultimately, I think I don't think Xander particularly went and won that yesterday. So like like you say, I think... Um, uh, you know, there's still question marks about him in closing, but um, yeah, D- does that make sense? What I'm saying? Can you? Oh, totally. There? Yeah, and yeah. B- and but equally, I suppose um, the there's also a possibility if if you think back to when Cantlay won at the back end of 2020, was it? Um, or was it 2019? I don't know. 2020. Yeah, when they when they played the um, the Zozo in wherever it was. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Whatever he won, whenever he won it, um, you know, he, he had Ram and JT both did him a big favor, and he, yeah. you know, he, yeah, he did well, but he, he 
he was a, a little bit fortunate and actually it still was a springboard for him to go on and, and be, be player of the year the following season and I, I know he had a bit of fortune there as well to say the least with the memorial but he was exceptional against Bryson in the BMW and and it could happen for Chauflet you know he could, he could maybe just benefit from the fact you know as you were alluding to with Thigala in terms of what they yeah. can convince themselves is the truth yeah. um Xander can tell himself look I I I stood tall and and won and and then go and press on uh but it's so competitive it's so hard I, whenever yeah. anybody says the floodgates going to open I tend to roll my eyes and I, I'd probably uh, say that with with Xander as well but um you know certainly the win had been coming yeah uh, no absolutely but yeah he did. I mean that's pretty much again reading his sort of transcript this morning that is pretty much uh what he you know he was saying that um he'd had had a different attitude lately and all, all, you know all, all the kind of things he would say after he had the win that he was you know he was trying trying um stop he stopped trying to force it and that he hadn't really been doing anything wrong before and he was just staying more patient all, all this kind of thing and you know it, it's paid off but uh like i say ultimately it was out of his hands and if so he had done what I'd have loved him to do with no respect to Xander, then we would be having the same conversation that Xander can't close from the front, wouldn't we? So, or, or at least he hasn't shown he can do yet. But uh, anyway, he did. And I believe you've got uh, our first tune for the week in honour of Xander's victory. So I'll um, uh, let you uh, let you roll out our song. Um, listeners, don't forget you can listen to on um, Spotify. I tweet out the playlist afterwards. So um, yeah, go, give us our first tune for the week then. Sure, it's um, Shuffle by Bombay Bicycle Club. The only link here is that Shuffle and Chauffele are similar <laughs> words um, in, in some ways. Um, and, you know, I think both you and I could do with some wholesome, feel-good uh, indie pop music uh, yeah. to, to drag us off the floor and into another week of this silly, silly game. Absolutely. Uh, and on that note, I'm going to uh, bring my first song um, of the week out, which, uh, uh, as opposed to um, wholesome uh, indie uh, music, is, um, I think, what uh, what I needed for last night and this morning uh, is a song from, um, arguably, in my opinion, the greatest songwriting duo ever uh, of Morrissey and Marr. Uh, and uh, it has to be Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now by the Smith. <laughs> so uh, um, that was the song that came into my head this morning. And uh, I think I've just about uh, uh, managed to um, get rid of a chunk of that. But um, yeah, um, it's uh, always a great song. And uh, uh, I think it was released in 1984. Um, and um, yeah, it sounds as good um, today as it did back then. Are you, are you a big Smiths fan, Ben? I don't know if we talked about the, the Smiths before. Are you a big Smiths fan? or, or, or... I, I, I would be lying if I said yes, but I do. I like the Smiths. I like a number of their songs. I obviously detest Morrissey, as everybody does. Um, but Johnny Marr's brilliant. And, yeah. um, you know, you, the music is great. So, I, no, they're not. They're, I, I was a little, obviously, I'm a little bit young, despite appearances, yeah. to, have, <laughs> um, to have lived during their pomp. Um, yeah. But I'm very familiar with most of their work, and and as I say, Johnny Marr, one of my favourite guitarists, and he's yeah. he's he's played with the Cribs a lot, for instance, and yeah. uh, I love the Cribs. And actually, my dad went to see Blondie a couple of weeks ago. Oh right, okay. Um, and Johnny Marr was on guitar. Um, oh, well, there you go. So he he was like, "This Johnny Marr's really good." I was like, "Yes, Dad, Johnny Marr's very good." <laughs> um, really good yeah. I think it was the Blondie gig. He's been to a few gigs lately, uh, so I might be mistaken. If, so, if one of your listeners is going to correct me there, then by all means. But I'm I'm sure it was Blondie and. It was certainly Johnny Marr. 
Excellent. I didn't know Johnny Wilde was playing with Blondie or, or guesting, I guess, or whatever. But um, yeah, gets no, around, doesn't he? Yeah, gets yeah, around. He, he does, and um, yeah. Uh, I mean, how soon is now? The guitar on that is just in incredible to me. So um, yeah, I'm a uh, huge Smith that, fan. That would be my favourite Smith song. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Song. Um, I had that conversation with Niall. Niall's a big Smith fan. Niall Lyons when he was on, and uh, it wasn't one of his favourites, which I found surprising. But because uh, I thought it was one of everyone's favourites. But uh, um, yeah, it's. Uh, well, they're all absolute belters. But uh, anyway, my first song pick for the week, Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now by The Smiths. So with that, we shall dust ourselves down, um, move on. I should Actually, I should say before we move on, going back to last week, we won't be all doom and gloom because um, uh, not Ben Coley, but Dave Tyndall, who was our guest last week. Uh, um, Dave uh, also had a place last week. So we actually had a good week for the pod because Dave only put uh, three picks up and one of those, Sun JM, withdrew. Uh, so he only had two running into the week. And uh, one of those was Keith Mitchell, and he got an outright place. So uh, it was actually a, a decent week. And um, uh, Webb Simpson should have got some place money as well. But, of course, he three putted from 20 foot on the 18th, as, as you do to round off um, when it's not your day. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, anyway, onwards and upwards. Um, although I don't know if we're upwards from the quality of the event point of view. But it's uh, uh, the John Deere Classic. And the John Deere Classic has... Uh, moved this year actually it's lost its um pre-open championship slot which uh, always used to lead to um sort of chartered jets etc flying players over to the open championship but um this year um uh, i guess to avoid it becoming an opposite field event which is what we've got with the barbasol next week with the genesis open being on the sort of co-sanctioned event uh they moved it forward a week but uh, as i saw you note in your preview ben it hasn't really had a desired effect to bring them much of a stronger field so um, it's fairly sort of slim pickings this week. Uh, but we're up in Silvis, Illinois at um, TPC Deer Run. Uh, it's a par 71, um, me measuring about 7,250 yards, bent grass greens. Uh, and um, it's a course which... Uh, has certainly not favoured, although Bryson's won here, it's not favoured bigger hitters over the years. It's been more of a case of plot your way around. Um, Steve Stricker, who's from sort of, um, you know, not a million miles away, uh, used to own this place, won three times running, I think. Zach Johnson's another one. Um, uh, Jordan's won here a couple of times. Brian Harmon, Ryan Moore loves it around here. So, um, so aside from Bryson, it's not really a bomber's paradise. That's one thing for sure. Uh, and um, it's just... Definitely a case of uh, plotting, plotting your way around. Um, is that how you'd see uh, see this track, uh, Ben? What's what's the keys around here? Would you say? Yeah, generally speaking, I, I, it's kind of one of those PGA Tour events that that is a, a sort of uh, an open field, really. Like yeah. um, you, you're right, you can't really just thrash it around. Um, that being said, you know, uh, and a number of bigger hitters have have gone very very close here, mm -hmm. and and there are uh, sufficient opportunities. But and, and you know. Typically, we might call this a putting contest, but then you know, Brian Harmon actually somehow won here, losing strokes on the greens, which is kind of amazing, um, but nonetheless true. Um, and then, you know, Lucas Glover won here last year, which yeah. um, so it, it's never quite as simple as, our, you know, all, yeah. let, let's back Denny McCarthy and all the other good putters. Mm. Uh, equally, I don't, I, I, I certainly think it's a course where um, the Cameron champs of this world are going to see that potential advantage uh, yeah. diminished. And, um, you know, there's always the prospect of something very, very strange happening in this sort of company. When Michael Kim won 
Um, you know, he he produced one of the great putting performances on the PGA Tour to win by however many he won, seven or eight shots. Yeah. And and yet coming into it, he was ranked about 100th or so in putting. And, and Bryson would be the same. I mean, he was ranked mm. second in putting when he won here. I think he was 196th coming into the week. So if yeah. you were backing Bryson that week on the basis that, um, you know, uh, his, his ball striking was good, but you, you just needed an upturn with the putter. Well, boy, did you get one. So, yeah, um, yeah it's one of those, like, you're going to need a few things to go your way. Um, but, you know, hopefully we can weed through and, and, and find players. Generally speaking, I want players who are, um, who are playing well at the moment and have shown that upturn in form because that actually does apply to most of the winners, even the surprise ones. And Bryson would be, uh, okay, wasn't a surprise winner, but he was by no means a short price. And he'd be, he'd be yeah. a good example of that. And so would Lucas Glover, you know, that had kind of been coming when he won here, albeit he wouldn't have been on my list. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, spot on with it, with everything, obviously. Um, from a correlating course point of view, um, TPC Summerlin seems to sort of um, stick out a little bit, doesn't it? Um, I mean, in general, I made this point uh, yesterday going into the final round. You, you can't go too far wrong, you know, when you're looking at TPC events and looking at other TPC courses. There was some, some really obvious correlating links going on that leaderboard um, yesterday with the likes of sort of Martin Laird and... Um, 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 what's his name? Uh, KH Lee, who won uh, obviously two time winner at TPC Craig Ranch. There was some very strong links to, to Phoenix across the board, obviously, with Xander and Cantlay and Thigala. Um, so, uh, and TPC Summerlin seems to leap out a little bit here, doesn't it? With um, obviously Bryson's one on both tracks, uh, um, Ryan Moore's um, obviously uh, one on both tracks, and uh, Adam Schenk, who will be coming to, has got form on, on, on both tracks. So, uh, any other courses? Um, you, you tend to correlate with here, or just sort of low-scoring events as a whole. Yeah, you're certainly right. The, the kind of the the entire TPC network, but those those courses where you've you've got a similar makeup. I mean, Summerlin would be a good one. The the slightly odd one um, is for me is is Copperhead, home of the Valspar, and of course yeah. you're particularly fond of. And you know, really, they're they're quite different in terms of the topography. One's a lot mm. more undulating than the other. Um, but they they have thrown a lot of ties up. I, probably the best example when Jordan Spieth won the Valspar, and look, it's Jordan Spieth. Um, yeah. But you know he beat Sean O'Hare in a playoff, a former John Deere Classic champion, and your man Ryan yeah. Moore was the fifty-four hole leader that year. Yeah, um, yeah, there yeah. are others. Kevin Streelman's got a good record at the John Deere. He's obviously a winner, um, yeah. a winner at the Valspar, and and there are loads of sort of more low-key players who have played yeah. well at both. Brian Harmon obviously played fabulously at the the Valspar earlier this season um, yeah. as well. So, and, and actually Bryson, if you go back to the year he won here, I think I tipped him at about 400 to one in the Valspar and he right. finished about 20th, but he was kind of, he was thereabouts going into the weekend. Um, so he played well at the Valspar as well. So the Valspar is kind of a sneaky one. I, I do actually think and there's a lot of, a lot of dog legs would be the obvious mm. thing and probably a lot of shots from that similar sort of mid to short iron range but it, putting your finger on exactly why is, is always difficult but there are sufficient low-key players who popped up on both leaderboards for me to take that seriously and and certainly it played a big part in in my headline selection which will come to absolutely um before we get uh quickly touch on the betting market um uh give us your uh next song then i believe we've got uh, something uh, illinois related as it were for you for your next pick 
Yes, um, I'll go with, uh, I'm hoping this is the order we agreed, Martin, uh, Sofiane Stevens and yeah. Chicago. Um, so I'm a big Sofiane Stevens fan. Um, Chicago is the song. The the link is self-explanatory. And this is, it's actually sometimes when you're picking songs for this podcast, you kind of, you, you can't always pick your favorite song by the artist yeah. because the, the, the link is not there. And yeah. this would be certainly in my top three or four Sofiane Stevens songs. And, and he's a handsome bugger too. So there you go cracking stuff um yes betting market and uh i mean web, web simpson um i mean i was uh, again you know it's all about returns obviously and we didn't get one but i was sort of quietly pleased with my web simpson pick last week uh bearing in mind that uh, he did push on in the way i thought he would and unfortunately sunday maybe it was just a case of he's not had a top five all year and uh suddenly the sort of fairways and greens machine he'd been on saturday disappeared on sunday and uh as i say the, th the three part of the last was um really a killer but uh uh i mean um i'm assuming we're in agreement ben that we can't be having him at 11 to 1 uh and um or 12 to 1 maybe in a place uh and similarly adam had win although of course um you've highlighted the uh the valspar link there and uh, uh i guess before burger withdrew and hadwin was a little bit bigger he was the one i was possibly contemplating from the very top of the market um uh again we you know, we can't really be having them at 18 to 1. Um, and uh, then really with Davis Riley out, we, we get into uh, uh, Sahith and or Sahith, I should say. And it's a case of how will he bounce back. So, um, yeah, so it's uh, it's a pretty, I mean, I imagine John Deere are going to be pretty disappointed with what they've got for their uh, got for their money this year. I guess you'd agree. Yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're playing third string in terms of the news cycle this week. However, we might feel about the 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 other story is dominating the news, but uh, you know, th this field is, is very, very poor as you've alluded to. Obviously Webb Simpson's a major champion, but he's working his way back to, to full form. I, I was on him at the Charles Schwab when he played pretty well, but didn't yeah. go through with it. And you, as you said, you were on last week and, and were closer still. It's very possible. And you might even say probable that he continues to progress and he has gone off, you know, similar prices for much yeah. stronger events but that was yeah. when he was in the world's top 20 and he's now outside yeah. the world's top 50 and i think you know this is just one year you leave alone and if he wins he wins like you yeah. i prefer hadwin i think if you were talking 25 to 1 i would have been i would have been more than happy to side yeah. with hadwin um for for all the obvious reasons he's played well here he's played well at pretty much every correlating course he's played well pretty much all year so um hadwin would be the one of the absolute favorites but um, again, if he wins at 18 to 1, and that's the standout, I mean, the plenty yeah. of firms are, are 10s, 12s, and 14s. So yeah. um, it's not like there's 18s all over the place. So, yeah, yeah. Easy, to, easy to move past. Yeah. So, um, right. So let's get into our picks. And uh, I'll let you go first, Ben, because you're at uh, shorter odds than me. So um, if you roll out um, your first one, and um, I, I believe you've. Um, gone with uh, a man who's been uh, who, who made a bit of a, a sort of a, a fly up the leaderboard as he's become a bit prone to on a, on a Sunday I've noticed of late he's sort of turned into Mr Backdoor top 20 in the way Matt Kuchel was uh, for top 10s but um yeah but um, you, you've got someone from in the top of the market who um you like the look of yeah I really like Scott Stallings for this and I know that there's some I mean look with most players here outside the even probably including the favorites actually um the 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 likelihood that they follow one good thing with another good thing is is less than it would be for a, for a better golfer. But essentially, since he qualified for the US Open, which was his number one goal for the year, um, and he did that um, via 
via qualifying. Then he went on to the Charles Schwab and and bagged a top 10. Um, missed a couple of cuts thereafter. One was the US Open, which he'll have been disappointed with, but easy to forgive, obviously. The other was the Memorial, which is a particularly penal course um, and, and was, was very, very difficult over the first two days this year. And uh, he got back at it last week on a, a shorter, lower scoring course at the Travellers. And that's despite an awful first round. Yeah. Um, he shot 15 under the final three rounds, which is the best in the field. Um, you know what what that's worth is is debatable, but certainly marks him down as one of the form players here. Yeah. Two top tens in four. They've come on similar golf courses to some degree, shorter, more technical, turning golf courses. A bit like the one where he won the Viking Classic. A bit like old white TPC, you could say as well. Yeah. Um, probably not very much like Tory Pines, which happens to be one of his favourites and, and is the scene of his other win. But um, three wins as well, which you know, triple the number of have had win. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he, he was third in the Valspar as a rookie. Not only that, he played really, really well in the Valspar again this year, as he did um, his previous couple of visits. So if that correlation stacks up, then um, then that's you know going to increase his, his prospects again. Uh, you look at what he's good at. Um, he, he's good at approach play and putting, which is a nice combination for a low-scoring test. But the one thing that really, really encouraged me was that if you look at the last five times he's come to the John Deere, He's driven it really well on each and every occasion. And if you were to pick a weakness in, in the Scott Stallings game, a significant weakness, it would be um, the driver. It can occasionally let him down. He's 126 on tour this season. Um, he's generally hovering around the 100 to 150 marker. Um, yeah. But when he's come to the John D, he's been one of the best drivers over the last five years here, twice in the top six. That, to me, suggests he's particularly comfortable with the clubs and the sight lines off the tee. And if that's true and it continues, then it's kind of the missing piece of the jigsaw as regards his wider game. So, um, yeah, put all that together. And, um, you know, I'm I'm not going to tell you he's the best bet of the year by any means, but I thought he was the best bet in this tournament. And uh, anything with a three at the start mm. of it was was fine. Okay. Um, yeah, he's, he's one of those players. I uh, I mean, obviously, everything you, you say there is, is spot on, but he's one of those players I always struggle to get right. I, I sort of back him, back him when you think you should be backing him and, um, you know, we're on the West Coast or, or whatever, and he, he suddenly has a bad week on the West Coast. And, and then, um, uh, of course, he just pops up out of nowhere when he's, you know, he's that sort of player and he sort of six missed cuts and then uh, uh, he can pop up out of nowhere. But, um, uh, but equally, as you say, he certainly um, found a bit of something... Uh, uh, of late and um, he's, he's not overdue another win and, and I think what you're looking for in this field to a certain extent is someone who knows how to win a win a golf tournament as well so uh, um, yeah so um, that uh, all, all makes perfect sense uh, my first pick I'm going for someone who uh, hasn't yet won on on, uh, on the big league anyway but uh, I just thought in the sort of hunt for a bit of um, you, you know that classic V word this week the value uh, I thought was reasonably priced um, uh, or more than Priced and that's um, Adam Schenk at uh, fifty to one, and uh, it is obviously a sort of horses for courses thing to to a certain extent. He's been sixth and fourth here in the last two years, and uh, I've still very much got those um, interviews, uh, particularly last year. He, he, he did sort of in my head where he he talked about. I can't remember if he was brought up on a farm, and you might put me right here, Ben, or whether it was just he's brought brought up in an area where there's lots of farms. But uh, um, obviously, he's an Indiana man, so he's he's um, uh, sort of in that sort of um, uh, part of the world in general. Uh, and um, 
he just uh, feels uh, very much at home on, on this on this track because of that sort of uh, uh, farming connection, as it were. So, um, it, and his two efforts here, the last, I mean, he missed the cut the first time he came here, but his two efforts, the last two two visits, um, have both come on the back of nothing great and it sort of springboarded him for a decent run of form. Um, last year, he, he nearly won uh, at the Barracuda a, a few weeks afterwards. Uh, he's got, um, he then popped up, uh, in hindsight being a wonderful thing, he then popped up in the in the desert at um, TPC Summerlin um, in uh, in the fall last year, finished uh, third, giving us that that link again. And um, he comes here this year in, in a far, I mean, not done anything spectacular of, of late, but uh, he had a really good US Open. He got himself at the US Open and um, played really solidly to finish twenty fourth. And uh, you know, there's been some other re reasonable performances of, of late. So um, I wasn't too worried about the missed cut of the Travelers because I think really that gave him a, a weekend off and a bit of a breather after obviously the, the big week of the US Open. So so I thought he was he was more than fair at fifty to one for eight places. I don't know if that's um, still there. Um, let's have a look. Um, but um, I thought he was. Um, more than fair uh yeah he's um i mean like everyone who's been cut with burgers the draw but yeah 50 to 1 still for eight places so uh was he on your radar at all ben um does he live on a farm back home or am i imagining that slightly i don't know to be honest but yeah he's certainly from indiana um, yeah yeah, yeah he, he definitely, he definitely talked about the farming thing yeah last year yeah yeah i mean he's he's a rock solid steady away tee to green guy yes. isn't he and 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 as you said he's he's been hitting the ball really well again lately because he, he he really was in a bit of a slump towards the start of the season yeah. he's come out of that and and he's back on it now and um yeah no i, I nothing to um to quibble with there if he puts as well as he did last year in this event you'll be you'll be well away yeah um and your next man uh is someone who listeners won't be surprised to hear was on my radar uh and um i'd love to see him win um because uh i think um he's too good not to and uh, obviously i've been on a few times and if i miss him at um at the price i'm, I'm not gonna you know if i missed him winning 150 to one in the world's fargo or something i would be a bit miffed but um yeah so i, I think this is probably guess who I'm, I'm talking about but i'll pass it over to you ben yeah patrick rogers we've got indiana's two finest uh golfers yeah. here um yeah, look he's obvious and to an extent that's covered in the price um but I, I, there's so many things that I liked about him this week. I mean, first and foremost, it is uh, the event he considers his hometown event. Now, I know some smart person is going to tell me how many hundreds of miles, if not yeah. thousands, are between his front door and, and the John Deere Classic. Yeah. But he came here as a kid. He talks about when he saw Jonathan Bird win here, which must be 15 years ago now. Yeah. Um, and it was what made him you know, realize what, what he could do and what he wanted to do with his life. And it's only two weeks since we saw all that um, and, and how there's absolutely indisputable. It was a big factor in Matt Fitzpatrick and the way he performed in yeah. the, uh, in the U S open doesn't mean it'll be the same for Patrick Rogers, but um, as well as that RSM classic playoff defeat, which was obviously slightly unfortunate to say the least mm -hmm. um, his other best finish on the PGA tour did come here when runner up, yeah. Uh, shot a final round 70 in 2017. You know, you could argue he probably should have won that. It's just one of several pieces of evidence that he doesn't just have fond memories of this course. Mm. He's particularly effective at the course. Yeah. And I suppose the the two things that I liked to, to sort of add to all the obvious things, three things. One, he's playing really well. Um, you know, 31st yeah. at the US Open was an excellent performance. 18th in Canada before that. Mm. He just had one quiet round. Finished really well in the Charles Schwab. 10th in Mexico. Just stacks of good form the last three mm. months. Two, 
his approach play numbers this season are on track to be the best of his career. Now, if there's one thing that's held him back, you know, he's a big hitter who gains strokes off the tee. He's been an excellent putter down the years. Um, if there's one thing that holds him back, it's his approach play, um, similar to another of yours, Wyndham Clark. And when these players figure that yeah. out, they can be deadly. And we've seen it with Sam Burns. It's the one thing that's yeah. transformed his game. And then number three, he turns 30 on Thursday. Now, yeah, um, not only does that tell us, you know, he's, he's younger than I think a lot of people would think, but yeah. I do like the idea that milestone birthdays can be the the thing that yeah. um, really helps a player. We've, we saw it with Laurie Cantor, I think. I mean, he his career was sort of not really going anywhere. The combination of a pandemic turning 30 having mm. time to work on his game but also realizing that he, he he'd not got the most out of it um I, I think that was transformative for him um and i maintain that it could be for for patrick rogers so it's kind of like a combination of things that all just look all too perfect and perhaps they will be yeah uh, and that's something actually patrick rogers um has in common with indiana's other finest who uh, i mentioned adam shank turned 30 not recently but well earlier this year so he's he's turned 30 so he's uh sort of gone through that um landmark as well so it could be the uh, battle of the 30 year old indianans come down the stretch on on, on sunday but um yeah i mean look i i'm this is, I mean, everyone knows that I've got a bit of a fondness for Patrick Rogers because um, uh, he's someone I'd really like to see, uh, see, see get the win. He's uh, one of my guys, and uh, um, I'll be delighted even if I'm not on him come Sunday if it is his, uh, if it is his week. Um, just to go back to um, something you picked up on there, and I, I think because you know, you're right, sort of people do say, um, uh, you, you know, it's sort of 700 miles or 500 miles or, or, or whatever, you know, would you be backing a, uh, a golfer from Newcastle if they were teeing it up in London or some, something like that? But I, I think, and I'm sure, you know, most people do get this, but obviously there's such this huge geographical differences and i'm not just talking about sort of um uh you, you know sort of uh grass types or whatever from bermuda to poana but there's such a huge i mean america is like sort of six different countries in a country or something like that so so when you're in that general i mean because you know i think both of us through our picks have alluded quite a bit to sort of potential local connections to uh you know also we both had it with Schenk and Rogers already this week and um you know and our other picks we go through and and when you're in that sort of slightly familiar surroundings or you're sort of four hours away from where you went to college or something and uh you, you know all the other times you're out on the west coast or something it's a chance for your, your college mates to come along and support you so i mean i think it's it's hugely important in, in, in america and i think you know sort of being sort of 250 miles away or 300 miles away is actually like the equivalent to here to playing in you know Burkdale, if you're from Liverpool or something like that, would you agree? 100%. And if you look down the years, I mean, two things really struck me when you look at who's who's won here, but also who's gone close here. Not just how many of them are from Illinois or very, very close, but the Midwest in general. There are so many examples. Um, yeah. You know, throughout the history of this tournament, Steve Stricker and Zach Johnson will be the obvious two, but there are there are loads more. I've alluded to them in my previews. Tom Gillis lost a playoff here to Jordan Spieth. He's from Michigan. And it, it goes on and on. You know, Patrick Rogers, we've already mentioned. Also, loads of people from because as well as that geographical element, I think we are talking grass types as well and yeah. course type. And mm. you know, so many players from uh Washington, um, Ryan Moore and Michael Kim, two winners from the state of Washington, but mm. also you've had Kyle Stanley, I think, was runner-up here to Steve Stricker, lost by a shot. Um, and there's just so much of it. Um, yeah. it, it, it. It's very, very hard to 
to deny. And, and as you pointed out, with I mean, with Schenk and Rogers, they mm. they've been better players in this tournament than the body of their work have everywhere mm. else. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's it's right there in front of you, really. Yeah, um, and I believe your next uh, musical pick uh, has um, a, another big Illinois connection, which uh, I will confess I um, was complete um, ignoramus on this and had no idea because I've obviously lived in the backwater and I've never never seen the film that's connected to. So um, yeah, tell us more. I can't stress enough how much you are missing out on life at large by not having seen Wayne's World. Honestly, I know you'll think, oh, it's a kid's film or whatever. I was supposed to be 20 years old. Please go and watch it. It is a okay. work of art, an yeah. absolutely genius film. And the best thing about Wayne's World is that arguably Wayne's World 2 is even better. Um, so I, I, anyway, anyone who knows Wayne's World will know it's it's from Aurora, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. So um, that was one of the first things I thought of when I started thinking about Chicago, Illinois, the area in general. So then I'm thinking, what song can we have? Well, the theme tune to Wayne's World is about 10 seconds long. Um, there are a couple of other options. Tia Carrera, the actress, um, the song she sings mm. in the film was an option. That's on Spotify. Um, but I've gone with Foxy Lady by Jimi Hendrix, a very famous scene in the film, a brilliant song. And hopefully, Martin, I've done enough to convince you to go and watch <laughs> Wayne's World, or at least the greatest scene in film history, which is uh, the YMCA scene in Wayne's World 2. I will. Um, I'll give it a go. By the time you come on next, how about that? By the time you come on next, and uh, I, um, assuming I can persuade you back again, I'll. Um, I'll have watched it. How's that? Sounds uh, good. Yeah, because uh, I will confess, I had no idea why you'd pick this song when it came through, and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm missing something. I don't think Hendrix was born in Illinois, but maybe he was, <laughs> and I've missed that. So um, yeah, so. Um, but as you say, it's a top tune, so any excuse. Uh, and um, my second pick, uh, I'm, uh, I mean, most of my picks are, shall we say, in keeping with this event, are going more in the in the sort of direction of perhaps us getting a Michael Kim slash Dylan Fratelli type uh, uh, winner this week, or someone a little bit more left field. And um, so I'm on to a hundred, I'm on to a hundred to one shot from a second pick already. Uh, and um, I'm going with the aforementioned Ryan Moore. And um, I suppose behind Pat Rogers, Ryan Moore is my other other man from years gone by, who obviously hasn't really given us a reason to back him for quite a long time. I mean, he's been, um, obviously had a lot of injury issues um, and, um, yeah, so he, he was playing on a medical um, uh, exemption, uh, needing to get um, uh, a certain amount of points to keep his card. Uh, he didn't. I mean, he was actually away for about three months and finally came back to use his final start at the memorial, um, where he made the cut but didn't do much more. But um, whether it was a case of sort of he actually felt whether the pressure was off after that, but uh, he actually then played um, played in Canada. Uh, the week after, uh, and um, turned in a pretty good performance, to be honest. Um, he uh, uh, he was par or better every every single day, uh, and um, uh, he was um, uh, you know solid from solid from tee to green across across the week. Uh, so um, there was you know coming coming into an event that if he's gonna find it anywhere this is likely you know be his best chance between now and say um you know vegas in the fall assuming vegas is in, in the fall as normal uh this um uh 
you know, this seemed the week for me. And obviously all of the fact that, um, you know, 35th is his best finish on tour since he was runner up here last year is, is, is reflected in the price, 100 to 1. Um, obviously it informed Ryan Moore and, and Ryan Moore of old in this type of field, which is the kind of event he'd hoover up in back in his day. He'd be sort of, you know, around Webb Simpson and Adam Hadwin's price. But um, obviously that's not the player we've been looking at now. But as I say, there was a lot to like about his performance in Canada. Uh, he was in no form at all last year when he came here and finished second. Um, so uh, he's obviously won here before. Uh, so I just thought um, he, he was worth um, worth, worth risking in, in, in this field. So that's my second pick. Um, uh, have you written his career off or do you think, because I mean, he's, he's obviously short off the tee and, uh, um, you know, he, I mean, he would, and uh, I guess we'll talk about golf at some, some point, uh, he would be the type of player who, yeah, I don't even know if he'd he, he got an invite, as it were, but um, you would sort of understand. I mean, whilst I'm not saying I'd condone it, you could understand why a, a Ryan Moore might sign for Live Golf at this stage of his career and family man and injuries, etc. But you know, I'm hoping he can find a way back on the, on the PGA Tour. Um, do, do you see see another win for him one day? Yeah, I was just thinking you call it the Crocs and Jocks talk, couldn't you, at the moment? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Ryan Moore, if it does come, it'll be on a course like this or Sedgefield or, um, uh, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I, I must admit he's one of those – I was a bit surprised that you could have the price you could have. Um, mm. I, I didn't fancy him. I you know, worry he's a bit undercooked and, and probably lacking that that sharpness. But in this grade, to, to get three figures about a, a course winner who was second in this last year, I, mm. I was a bit surprised, yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how he gets on. I mean, he's made his last four cuts. That's decent yeah. golf. Um, so, yeah, nothing to, to dissuade anybody there if the putter warms up. Um, yeah. And it, it, it certainly, you know, as I said, Memorial is one of those. He's if you make the cut there, you've done all right. It's, it's brutal. Yeah. Um, and, and Canada was was very decent. If he just plays as well as he did in Canada, he's you're getting sort of top 20, yeah. aren't you? So, yeah, yeah good luck. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're going back to the Illinois connections for your next man, uh, I believe. Um, uh, another one who obviously probably leapt off the page to a few people this week, and certainly on my short list. But, um, yeah, you're, you're back with the Illinois picks. Yeah, captain obvious, Nick Hardy here. Uh, lost the playoff on home soil in Illinois when he came back from injury yeah. um, six or so weeks ago. And since then, has been a regular feature. It seems like, I mean, he said himself, he had this injury. It's forced him to just swing a little bit slower. And he said he was just yeah. trying to thrash everything. And now he's got his rhythm back and um, the results are showing. Um, top 10 finish last week. It's all there. Um, it's one of those, actually, whereas with Rogers, I, I did have to think quite a lot about what sort of price I was happy with. And um, ultimately determine that anything with the three again with as with stallings was was fine uh with hardy i was a bit surprised when when the first show came through at lunchtime when i saw 45 to one albeit i think just with five places i, I was sort of yeah okay I, I i played snooker with with dave this morning even though we're, we're trying to wean ourselves off the great game uh, and said i'm i'm a bit surprised by that because i think he'll just be backed at whatever price and it just didn't prove to be the case so whereas i'd probably planned to write him you know as as the last one on the off the list or one i just had to leave out i was actually more than happy with the price um and mm. and i'm very hopeful if if he builds on last week you know um no reason he can't go really close and it's not just that he's local you know he's played the event twice he's he's made the cut both times he's shot a couple of rounds of 66 and and he's come a long way since and i think if you go back to the start of the year i and i can i can back this up with a tweet when somebody asked me who the standout graduates were um, as I think, you know, Brandon Wu's not worked out quite as well, but mm. the others were Cam Young, Davis Riley, Sahith Thigala, and Nick Hardy. 
Um, yeah. And um, Nick Hardy might just be ready to to show it and, and perhaps actually beat those other three to to the first yeah. win. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going with another grad for my uh, next next pick. Uh, I, I was quite pleasantly surprised with Hayden Buckley's price uh, this week. So again, that was what. Um, Led me to him. Uh, he, um, of course, started off like a train uh, before Christmas. Um, Sanderson's and um, the Shriners. So again, we've got that Shriners link there. Back to back top tens. Uh, I quite like the Sanderson's as a sort of, uh, you know, just a bit of a link here. Lucas Glover's always talked about that being one of his, he's never really played well there, but he's talked about it being one of his favourite courses. Um, and um, uh, I just, um, you know, it's another low-scoring event, obviously. So, uh, so, so that sort of was a bit of alert to him. But um, he's been off the boil, obviously, for a large chunk of this year. But um, uh, the U.S. Opens, obviously, um, I'm sure done him a power of good getting in there and um, and then playing so well there. So, uh, and um, uh, what caught my eye at the Travelers was uh, not so much, uh, you know, the finish, uh, 43rd, I think it was, but uh, uh, he actually puttered really well um at the travelers so uh, i mean relative for him anyway he was uh uh 25th i think in putting or sorry 23rd in putting so um and uh, that's obviously normally his weak link and um then we come back to the sort of a uh, um uh, the sort of part of the country we're in, if you like. Uh, he played his college golf in Missouri, uh, which um, uh, I, I believe is about sort of um, uh, three, four hours away from from here, the part of Missouri, Columbia, Missouri, where the University of Missouri is. So, um, uh, and I've read a few interviews with him, sort of, you know, since he's been on tour, where he's talked about how that was a turning point for him in his his golf life in that you know he wasn't really going anywhere he hadn't been taken for colleges and that kind of thing and, and due to a recommendation from someone he knew back home um it was a friend of the coach at missouri they, they they took him on um you know without even seeing him hit a shot so the story goes so uh and um he went on to have obviously a, a really strong college career there and uh um and uh that really turned the corner for him so i sort of guess i've painted a picture in my head that uh, uh you know he might have some of his old college connections come and um come and watch him this week uh, uh, on a course that, uh, uh, as I say, has has that sort of um, um, propensity for someone like him who finds fairways and greens uh, for fun when their game's on to uh, get hot with a putter uh, like Lucas Glover did um, and plot his way around. Uh, so as long as he's got my only slight concern, but I'm just going to have to take the chance of the price, was that... Um, uh, he might be running out of steam a little bit. So obviously following on from the US Open and then uh, playing last week. And, and that was my slight concern with Hardy as, as well, um, particularly as he's played so well in those two events. So, uh, so um, but yeah, I, I, um, there was a lot I quite liked about him. And um, I thought, uh, again, um, he, he was worth, uh, uh, you know, he looked a decent price to me at the odds. So it's 100 to 1 um, Hayden Buckley, fifth of the odds, first eight for me. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, before we go on to the next picks, Ben, there's a couple of things actually we've not touched on from um, what was going on last weekend. And uh, move, moving away from the golf at the moment, I wanted to ask you um, how much you enjoyed Glastonbury because I saw you uh, um, were, were putting your uh, you know your, your, your top ten Glastonbury highlights uh, down, and uh, you, you put me to shade a little bit because I believe you you were watching the likes of sort of Billie Eilish and Jamie T and, and stuff that um, I'll admit that I wasn't tuning into. So uh, uh, how was Glasto for you? Yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah, actually, um, Dave had to correct my pronunciation of Billie Eilish this morning, so I'm clearly not quite with it, but he's got a teenage <laughs> daughter. So, um, 
Yeah, I um, I loved it. There's still loads more I want to catch up with, and that's obviously the beauty of iPlayer these days. You can yeah. you can do that, subject to Paul McCartney and and his uh, media rights or whatever it is. But, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I loved it, and actually, it's the first time I've never been to Glastonbury to my to my shame. Um, I like home comforts too much, I think. But for the mm. first time in my life, I really feel like actually I want to make sure I go in the next few years. Maybe take my my son when he's a couple of years older as well, yeah. and, uh, and and go and experience it um firsthand but i've I've really enjoyed it so far um jamie t my highlight but that's the nostalgist in me jamie t was you know became a thing when i was at university so um and i, I love him i think he's he's fabulous um and i also definitely thought he'd, he'd given up so to see him headlining the other stage or whatever stage he was on mm. um was a, a real nice bonus i enjoyed um I did enjoy Billie Eilish. I, I enjoyed Sam Fender more than I thought I would. Um, I enjoyed Self Esteem, um, who's a, a lady from Sheffield who I've always really liked. She was good. Um, and there's loads more. I, I haven't seen Kendrick Lamar from last night. I'm I'm told he's a master of his craft, so I'll, I'll give that a try. Um, but yeah, it was it was great and um, just great to see. I know we're we're probably past this, although. After Marin Chilich just withdrew from Wimbledon to scupper people who followed our advice to back him, uh, perhaps not. But like with yeah. COVID and stuff, like just to see all those people there having a great time, it's it's really nice. Yeah, no, it was, uh, and um, I will um, being the old, um, obviously I'm a few years old than you, being the old funny that I am. I, I was um, I was watching the likes of the Jesus and Mary Jane on it, who I was uh, uh, obviously a big fan of back back in the day. So um, and uh, spotted Elastica's drummer was drumming for Jesus and Mary Jane, which. Uh, uh, I, I never knew, so um, that was interesting to see. Um, but um, but Billy Eilish, I, I actually saw about um, uh, ten minutes of her set, and clearly she's got got something about her, shall we say? Uh, the music isn't um, usually my cup of tea, but um, uh, and I then switched over to watch Foles, who I thought were absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, I've never seen them live before, and I thought they're incredible. I'd certainly be going to kind of try and see, see them, you know properly live live now um but um billy eilish to her uh, huge credit um what uh, made me interested to see a little bit of her set was uh, she's actually done two cover versions over the last couple of years uh of um Catherine Will slash, slash rob dickinson songs rob dickinson being the lead singer of Catherine will uh so to those who don't know Catherine Will, who are my favourite band and uh, are basically an obscure 90s shoegaze band, I guess you'd call them, so from the era of sort of Ride and that kind of thing from the early 90s. Uh, and Billie Eilish has covered two of their songs, uh, which is completely bizarre and I've no idea what switched Billie Eilish on to Catherine Will and Rob Dickinson. But um, uh, the fact she has done, obviously, um, puts me puts her hugely up in my estimation. So, um, yeah, um, I've been to Glastonbury once, by the way, and I'm not one for camping and festivals and stuff. Um, I'm very much one for home comforts as well, but I've been once and, uh, yeah, I think much as it was, you know, it was a good experience once, once, once is enough for me on the camping front, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, do you, have you caught up with Foles? Cause you're, you're a Foles fan, aren't you? I think. Yeah, I like Foles. I've not seen their set yet. Um, but yeah. I do like Foles. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember um, a few years ago, Tom York sort of was their biggest champion. And, um, yeah, I think they're from Oxford, aren't they? So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I'm very fond of them. I, I just, yeah, the music industry fascinates me. So I sort of same with Jamie T. I sort of, how how are you making enough money uh, and i sort of think that with bands like uh, i'd probably underestimate falls a little bit obviously mm. they've had enormous success over the last 10 years but i do sort of wonder with some of them like yeah um but then you see them on stage and um i i guess a lot of them don't really care um 
yeah, so it was great. Yeah, well, they, they make the money. I mean, I think I think it's gone full circles. I think the money they make the money now from the touring. Um, yeah. Whereas it used to be the tour obviously was to sell the records, uh, but now the, the records get. So I mean, look at a band, obvious example, a band like Muse, who um, obviously do sell records, but you know they don't have number one singles or, or anything like that. But uh, uh, I mean, their tours. You look at um, sort of um, you, you know sort of top grossing bands on tours or, or, or whatever, and they they coin an absolute fortune on their tours. So, and obviously tickets these days are ridiculously expensive as well. So, um, but um, yeah, so I think they make money. I think there's definitely money to be made on touring. So, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, back to the golf. Um, so, um, where we? we've had uh, Harley and Hayden Buckley. So, uh, yeah, another Illinois man for you, who um, I believe, um, yeah, it was, well, he was someone that was on my shortlist, but another another Illinois man for you ne- next up, or an Illinois connected man, anyway. Yeah, David Lipsky, and I will say that that was totally with him. Like, whereas with Hardy and and Rogers, obviously Indiana, that they were part of my thinking already. With Lipsky, I'm I'm sure at some stage I came across the the idea that he went to Northwestern, but I must have forgotten if I did because it it really hadn't occurred to me, and um, it was the icing on the cake for yeah. for want of a better expression. Like, I I just really have it in my head. This would be a very good course for him. You know what we know of Lipsky from his years in in Europe. Really, is he's accurate off the tee. Um, he's an excellent putter at his best. Now he's not necessarily shown that shown that this season. Uh, he did at Pebble Beach, but he's been very in and out with the putter. Um, and I don't mind that. I, I think I've made this point before about say Corey Connors, where uh, you know there's a ceiling on how well they can putt. Well, with Lipsky, there really isn't. Like he could produce that Michael Kim performance, um, even if his season long stats are not amazing. So um, I'm no real concern now. I'll take my chances. Um, all his best in Europe has been on tree line courses, generally low scoring. Um, and he's played some great golf this year, three top tens in the spring, but actually his last couple of starts, there's not a lot wrong with them. He's just happened to be the wrong side of the cut line. Mm. And, and often I think that, you know, I mean, somebody, I think it was Kyle Porter on Twitter made the point that um, in Gi Chun's, forgive my pronunciation, um, rounds last week to win the US Open, if she shot them in reverse, it's exactly the same score. Um, mm. Sorry, the women's PGA. She wouldn't right. have made the cut. Um, and it's, there's a fascinating dynamic there that she mm. she wouldn't have had the opportunity to to produce the the goods on the weekend, um, which is partly why we love cuts, right? But mm. um, I think it, it sometimes when we see MC next to a player, we think, oh, they're playing dreadfully. Well, he's, he might not be playing any worse than someone who finished 30th last week. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and that that's kind of my view of his stats anyway. He had a bad day around the greens on Friday. He actually, he was on track to make the cut. He drove it short of the 15th green. He took four shots to get the ball in the hole. Sorry, five mm. from 40 yards. He didn't hit it in the water. He just he must have duffed a chip or had one come back to his feet or whatever. And on Thursday, he didn't putt very well. So it's just those little things that didn't yeah. quite add up. And and if they do this week, I think 80 to one in this field for a guy who's you know already secured his card for next year, mm. um, I, I think that was really good each way value. Yeah. Uh, he was last off my list. So, um, yeah, I concur with everything you, you said there. Not that um, you need my concurrence. but well, It's uh, nice because yeah. I, I, I genuinely thought I'd be totally alone with Lipsky. So, yeah. And, and I, I didn't get a chance to say before, of your selections this week, I think the case for Buckley is uh, is the one I like best. So, yeah, we can have the Indiana fellas in the last two ball, in the penultimate yeah. two ball, Lipsky and uh, Hayden Buckley. Well, 
Um, I'm, yeah, well, I'm glad you like my Buckley case, but uh, actually my next pick um, uh, uh, is another Lee, a uh, Lashley, uh, Nate Lashley. He was actually my first um, first bet, if you like, first first pick, sort of first down once I'd done me, me studying and at the price and what have you. He, he's what the bet I consider to be my the one I like the most at the prices this week, if you like. And um, yeah, he, he's, uh, I mean, saying what you just did about sort of Lipsky that, um, or just players in general, there's sometimes there's not much between, um, uh, and I think something we all know anyway, but there's not much between a miscut and a 30th. And equally, there's not really much, um, uh, you know, between a 20, 25th and a, uh, and a fifth or even a win. It's just, um, uh, you, know, you know, a couple of, couple of putts here or there and over over sort of every every, every day across the across the week or um you know just one push drive or or, or whatever a day so um and Nate Lashley's been um producing some really solid stuff um this season he's not um he's not all right he had a top 10 in Puerto Rico I think it was but uh, other than that he's he's not you know had a had a top ten, should we say, in a in a sort of non-opposite field event, um, uh, and um, he's not had that sort of one big finish, but he's comfortably in, um, you know, in the in the sort of eighty uh, third, uh, I think, in the FedEx Cup at the moment, uh, just on the basis of a series of sort of fifteenth, twenty second, you know, seventeenth, all, all that kind of kind of thing, and um, he's someone who seems to time and again produces best stuff on lower scoring tracks uh the obvious example is is when he won um the, the rocket mortgage at uh, uh you know with a 25 under total but um in addition um uh he, he's produced i mean if we look at this season um he was minus 16 and minus 18 for uh uh, um, uh, for decent finishes at uh, the Sanderson's and the Byron Nelson. Uh, he was 12 under for his 11th place in Mexico, and he actually tumbled down the field a bit on the Sunday. Um, last season, um, he had um, uh, top fives at the Corrales and Pebble Beach, uh, both of which were, were low-scoring events. Uh, and um, there was quite a bit to like about his uh, performance at TPC River Highlands. Um he um, was, um, you know, just all round really solid play. I think all of his strokes gained stats were between 27th and 37th for the week. Uh, and um, he um, he finished um, 25th. And, and like you said about Ryan Moore, uh, with his finish in Canada, I think, um, you know, in this field, uh, if he plays the way he did did, did last week, finish 25th, you know, that's uh, pro pro probably a top 10, you know, because uh, uh, obviously he's going down, down in grade um, to use horse racing parlance um you know hugely so um he's got uh, the top three in phoenix as well third place finish in phoenix which is another sort of course that um of course another tpc track so so um yeah it just struck i mean it's a bit of a sort of anything goes type of event from uh, uh, the point of view of the type of player that wins but um he, he can have a hot putter um you, you know he putts well and, and it doesn't take a big stretch to see Nate Lashley sort of putting four really go low rounds together in this company and at 125 to one. Um, uh, I say he, he was first on my my list for the week anyway. So um, yeah, was, was he on your radar at all or? Um, yeah, uh, he was one of those. I, I yes and no. Like he was, he would have been like if I had 20 picks, he'd have made yeah. it, but not. You know, do you know what I mean? Like he's definitely, I definitely understand all the positives there and. Um, generally speaking, when he's played on the right sort of course the last three or four months, he, he's played pretty well, hasn't he? So yeah, if he lights up the greens, which we know he can, um, then then I, there's definitely upside. There are worse players at shorter odds, that's for sure. 
Yeah. Um, back to the music. And um, I um, put two and two together on this next song pick of yours, uh, uh, which has a uh, vegetable related theme to it. So I'm assuming that's where we're heading down with the farming connection as well. But I love the track anyway. So I was uh, delighted to see you put this one in there. I hadn't thought of vegetables for a second, no. Um, Smashing right, Pumpkin, yeah, uh, right. just just as as simple as the Smashing Pumpkins are uh, from Chicago. Um, okay. so, well, there you go. Uh, okay, I was thinking vegetables. So um, yeah, um, but uh, two connections then. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, um, I, I'm sure Billy Corgan's from Chicago. If I'm wrong I'm about sure that, right. I'm terribly um, sorry. Sure um, but right. yes, I, I, I've gone with right. Today by the Smashing Pumpkins, which would be my favourite Smashing Pumpkins song. They're not like my favourite band in the world by any means. There'll be some people who listen to this podcast who are like massive Smashing Pumpkin fans. I'm afraid I'm not one of those, but I do like a number of their hits yeah. and this would be top of the list. Yeah, that's a top tune. So, um, right, um, my um, next selection uh, is um, uh, another Moore. So um, I've gone from um, Ryan Moore to Taylor Moore. Uh, and um, Taylor Moore is available at 150 to 1, so one point each way, fifth of the odds, first eight. Uh, and um, my my strands for Taylor Moore uh He's, he's obviously on his rookie season on the PGA Tour, and you know it's not been a fantastic season. Uh, again, he's doing enough on the FedEx Cup standings. I mean, I guess a lot of these players who are around sort of 100th in the FedEx Cup standings have had a bit of a boost on their standings with the uh, defectors being taken off the list, as it were. So, uh, um, but um, they're not complaining. Obviously, Taylor Moore's doing more than enough to keep his card as things stand at the moment. But um, a couple of things caught my eye. Um, he again seems to be the type of player who loves a low-scoring event. Um, he hit this purple patch um, uh, last year uh, on um, the um, Corn Ferry, where he was 52 under across two weeks. Uh, he won with a minus 27 total uh, and then was runner-up the following week on a minus 25 total. Uh, so um, he was, um, yeah, certainly riding away then. And that was a run of, um, I think, uh, some like four top tens or some, something like that. So, um, but... Um, He's obviously found it a little harder on the uh, uh, PGA Tour this season, but um, he uh, does have, I think, um, uh, one top 10 to his name, uh, eighth place at the RSM, which is obviously another sort of, um, you know, reasonably low-scoring low affair. Uh, and um, he, uh, again, um, seemed to enjoy TPC Craig Ranch, um, uh, uh, recently finished 32nd there. Uh, and um, uh, after a couple of missed cuts, he... Uh, uh, played all four days at uh, TBC River Highlands, um, finished 56th. Um, but um, coming back to his wins on the, or his win on the Corn Ferry last year, uh, and um, it came in Springfield, Illinois, uh, at the Memorial Health event. So I'm hoping that um, a return to um, uh, this part of the world, um, I think Springfield's a couple of hours away or something from where we are this week. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll inspire him. And um, yeah, he's... Um, He's obviously a rookie with a lot of potential. Uh, and, um, yeah, I just, um, 150 to 1, I thought this is the kind of event that he could uh, uh, burst to life in. So, um, 
yeah, so that's uh, Taylor Moore. Just before I put out my next song, just to backtrack to Nate Lashley, and um, I don't know if you noticed, Ben, my other thing I liked about Nate Lashley, because I know you're one for these sort of quirky, quirky sort of psychological things or psychology things, was Nate Lashley's win came on exactly this week, um, different event, of course, but exactly this week on tour, the 30th of June week, um, uh, was when he got his win at uh, in Detroit. So um, uh, that was the other thing I liked about him. I just thought, um, you know, that's uh, if he does start to, um play well or even if you know before the week you might be thinking you know um this is my time of year as it were so that was the other thing i liked about nate lashley but um back to music and my next song um with two mores uh i thought um i'd have to go for the wonder stuff uh and um go back to 1988 and their classic album the eight-legged groove machine uh and uh it's give 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 more 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 so um yeah so we've got two mores there's three mores in that song but um yeah give 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 more 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 from the wonder stuff um belting tune um and i think um with that song which um uh starts the line something like i hope to get more money than this in the next world uh probably a good time to talk about live golf because we can't go through the whole podcast without talking about live golf um uh yeah i mean have we lost any is um has matthew wolf officially gone um or carlos he ortiz, has and yeah, carlos ortiz as well yeah another young mexican am i think uh, amateur chap um who's um, uh, shikara the spanish yeah, yeah. The spanish amateur spanish chap, yeah right, okay. um, another amateur yeah yeah so um will you be has the novelty worn off already will you be tuning in for 10 minutes this week or uh um, i think so no yeah. i might you might see how many people are watching so that's about it but no 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 interest um i generally like I, and i know you agree here so there's a risk we just agree not along yeah. with each other but um it was just i mean i wrote this down in a column which is it's the most read thing i've ever written actually thanks to two very yeah, well-known yeah, golf yeah. journalists re, uh, retweeting it um it's it's just rubbish sport you know yeah. like, uh, there's better sport on this weekend there's wimbledon i watch that <laughs> I, I just love sport I, it's just the the things i love about sport none of them exist in this yeah. thing not one yeah. of them exists uh, yeah. legitimacy heritage purpose um soul you know yeah. like it just just none of it exists not one of those things exists what exists in this is a bunch of golfers already well paid for the most part playing because they get rich i don't care yeah. i really don't yeah. care so i won't watch it um ever i don't think yeah i really won't uh, because those things will never change um and um that may mean at some stage if if they succeed as they wish that i have to find another sport to watch and that's okay i'll, I'll do that tennis is good cricket's good so, yeah, yeah I'll be fine. well, you know, the P PGA Tour will always be there. I think. I don't think the PGA Tour is going to. You're right. You are right. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, even if it's um, and there'll be a lot of talk this week, of course. Oh, you know, look at Live Golf. They got Bryce and they got Brooks, and look at the John Deere. It's um, you know, Nate, Nate Lashley um, battling Nick Hardy. You know, there's only one one winner here from the box office point of view. But um, I guess to us golf diehards um we would rather watch nick hardy battle mate lashley and uh, uh when it means means something as you say so um and of course you you know you can't read too much into the fact that uh, okay this happens to be a week where the the field isn't usually strong whereas um obviously on another week uh you know we could have an event like we had in canada while they're over at the centurion order. but like you say it doesn't really matter who the names are because it just doesn't you, you, you know there's nothing yeah everything you said there's no um there's no incentive 
incentive. It doesn't. There's no history. I mean, John. I thought what John Rahm said um, at the U.S. Open was absolutely perfect. You, you know, you want to win as a golfer. You obviously think they do. They want to win it. Uh, where um, you know Arnie's won and history of Jack at Memorial and, and all the rest of it. So um, and yeah, and, but... and the thing is with that, like I mean, he was totally right, and I agree. Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no. the, the the thing is, like people talk now about the PGA Tour as if it's like Amazon or mm. or some some great corporate entity that you know is trying to steal all our data and all this yeah. stuff. Nonsense. It, it, the PGA Tour is is yes, it's a profitable organization. Yes, James. Monaghan earns a lot of money and yeah. that might upset you right but you know I'm afraid that's the reality of the world we live in people at the top of things get paid too much people at the bottom don't get paid enough I'm against yeah. that fundamentally I, I think yeah. a greater you know some sort of reckoning would be great but mm. the PGA Tour is not the man it's not the it's not mm. the devil and, yeah. and there's a great tweet from Will Haskett about the John Deere Classic. It's going to raise millions of pounds for local yeah. charities it's yeah. fundamental to the um to the local area yeah. and when, when they cancelled the players all we heard about was oh but you know the the, the financial in, impact on the local area yeah. local charities yeah. and yeah. the first t foundation is going to be devastating and now we just put that all to the side and go, oh well you know they oh they're very insular and they they're this and they're that and all oh, the, the the top dogs earn too much money it's like yeah they do yeah they do and i'm not saying that's not a worthy cause to fight against but don't use that as a shield to to legitimizing live right yeah. you, you can disagree with both things and when people say to me oh but what about this what about that yeah i disagree with those too and I, I said to somebody the other night i'm happy if we can get through this to have a reckoning on dubai i will gladly you know i have criticized if you go back to december whenever it was i was taking a mick out of the european tour for selling their soul to dp world mm. um, and i will continue to do so but yeah, we yeah. can deal with all these things separately and mm. it doesn't you don't have to feel equal outrage about all these different things. You know, I, I'm repeating myself here, but that most of the arguments, I, I remain adamant. Nobody has given me one compelling argument for why this is a good thing. People talk in spurious terms about how it's good for golf. How is it good for golf? In what yeah. way is it good for golf that Dustin Johnson is no longer a competitive golfer, that he's mm. given up on being a proper, uh, you know, legacy chasing professional mm. golfer with proper ambitions and he's taken 200 million dollars or whatever he's taken that's mm. not good for golf that is not good for golf if they came in here and didn't pay people 200 million dollars up front maybe it would be but they are and it is totally anti-competitive at every yeah. level um, yeah. and it's, it's crap martin it's yeah crap. i'm 100 percent with you and, and, and like you alluded to earlier i mean everyone who's signed up so far you could see a reason i mean i'm not saying as a second donor but you could see a reason why they signed up so you, you know the at the end of their career like a westwood or a polter getting a payday um they've had injury problems um i guess i mean dustin johnson is about the only person i mean i wouldn't say he's at the end of his career and he's not particularly got injury problems i'm aware of but you know you could say with the and ketka that um their bodies you know have been sort of showing signs of cracks or, or, already so they might feel they're Careers are limited. Um, uh, you, you know, even someone, um, um, you know, and of course, I'm, I'm not in any way. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, making small of the problems that he's faced. Obviously, Matthew Wolf clearly has has really struggled adapting life on the tour and, and has had some very difficult, you know, personal issues that have obviously, um, um, yeah, made made it tough for him out there. And you could see that he might think, okay. I can't stomach 20 years on the PGA Tour. I can't 
stomach doing this long term. I can make a shed loads of money and get out in two or three years time. So um, you can sort of half un understand that logic. So um, 100%. But, and yeah. You can't like, there's a separation between do I understand why a player like that or any yeah. player really would take it? Yes, yeah. I do. Um, yeah. I, I still feel like I, there's there's grounds for criticism. Oh, absolutely! Um, certainly yeah. among the bigger players, who yeah. you know that they, they they when it suits them, they will talk about being you know torch carriers for their yeah. sport, and they will they will exaggerate their role in their sport and their impact upon this world. But now that it doesn't now, oh, they're not politicians. They're just you know trying to. Uh, now their only concern is their family. So there's some hypocrisy, obviously, that runs through all of this. But I fundamentally understand why anyone, Matt Wolf, whatever, I get that. Of course yeah. I get it. And I understand too that there is a possible scenario in which if that happened to me, you know, I'm not going to, I would say adamantly that I would turn it down. But unless you're actually offered, what does that even yeah. mean? It doesn't, doesn't mean anything. I, I could say anything. So I get that. Um, my issue is, is you know, the, the people I'm against are the, the people running the show. And, and I know it's, it's, in some ways it feels like a waste of energy. Um, mm -hmm. And it's certainly been a waste of mental energy at times over the last month or two. But I think yeah. in others, like, you know, I know it's not the biggest cause in the world. And I get that. But as someone who has an investment in golf in some way, whether that's emotional or whatever, it seems like a worthy cause to me. And it seems like something we, that, that enough people, um, you know, just say what they feel about it. Um, it, it, it can fail, um, however much money they've got. And, and so I think we should keep trying to make it fail. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I thought, I mean, just backtrack um, before we move on, backtrack on your comment, um, which I wholeheartedly agree with at the beginning about, you know, um, what would you, you know, use the um, uh, John Deere Classic as an example, but it's the same every week on the PGA Tour with what the John Deere will do do for the local charities this week and uh, uh, in the area. Uh, and um, uh, that's the crux of it in the fact that um, uh, uh, the um, if Liv's allowed to succeed, um of course um you know the likes of john deere aren't gonna be wanting to put their money into um pj tour golf anymore or or sort of you know byron nelson etc and uh, uh and i thought i'm sure you probably saw this interview i thought the interview that um rob lee uh did with martin keimer um last weekend in germany uh, i think it was rob lee anyway did, did the interview with martin keimer where um uh Kimer obviously as we know is an excellent speaker uh and he was trying to sort of make this case for all worlds to live in harmony together and what have you uh and Rob Lee pushed him two or three times on the fact which Kimer didn't give a straight answer to but the problem is Martin he was saying that you know live golf wanting to start to play 14 events a year add your four majors in if you get in them that's 18 tournaments so um how can you live in harmony and play on the pga tour as well and martin Kama sort of you know made some waffly answer about sort of wanting to you'd still play in germany or something like that but obviously it's different for a pga tour player and if Liv got their top 48 players in the world um you know playing basically 14 events plus the four majors then where's the time to support the pga tour and you know out the door go your Byron Nelsons and your John Deere's basically, and um, obviously all the support that goes to the local communities. So um, certainly agree that, and that's why, you know, people who talk about the PGA Tour just wanting to run a closed shop and you, you know not being able to take a bit of competition or, or, or whatever, which um, obviously some people do say. So. Um, 
you know, that's why the PGA Tour are, are fighting to me for the point of view of keeping their sponsors and keep, keeping the work they do across America in place, basically. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're behaving exactly as, you know, whether they're getting it right or not is a different yeah. question. But what they're doing, the protectionism is exactly what you'd expect from any yeah. any business, any organization like that. Um, yeah. I mean, what Kaima was saying, basically, is he wants to be able to do exactly what he likes. Yeah, and that, yeah. You know, that's, I think that's disrespectful to the, the work that goes on to run a golf tour and to run a golf tournament. And yeah. you can argue, okay, he should be able to rock up in Germany and play one event a year yeah. because he's a two-time major champion, et cetera, et cetera. But that has a knock-on effect. That's somebody in who's got a card who can't play. And yeah. You know, what about all the other... So so we're saying Laurie Cantor, who I'm a big fan of, but we're saying Laurie Cantor should be able to play three European tour events a year and nobody bat yeah. an eyelid. No, sorry. Yeah. You're not yeah. that good, mate. You know, <laughs> you're a good golfer. Good luck to you. But, ah, uh, you know, yeah. the but idea then, that they shouldn't suffer some kind of sanction for breaking a, a rule book they have signed yeah. up for is utterly ludicrous. Yeah. But then, I mean, to come back to Karma saying, I want to do exactly what I want. I mean, Liv won't let him do exactly what he wants. You know, exactly. I mean, maybe if the two worlds one day, unfortunately, do come to exist together, uh, we'll find ourselves in a place where Liv say that, um, you, you know, each player needs to play sort of, I don't know, four, four events of the 14 or something like that, meaning they can still play sort of, or, or six or seven events of the 14, meaning they can still play. Um, you know, seven or eight times on the PGA Tour, plus plus the majors or, or whatever, and they almost like sort of um, rotate around between the different the different tours, if you like. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm certainly not what I'm hoping for, but um, I, but I think of... something like that is the likely scenario. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I, there's so much up in the air still, isn't yeah. there? But um, yeah. Yeah, something like what, that. Yeah, but um, anyway, that's enough live talk. But um, two, yeah, sorry. two people who won't be uh, tuning into Pumpkin Ridge. Or anything, is that your Smashing pu Pumpkins link, I'm assuming? So, <laughs> How dare uh, you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I will actually just with one thing, because I've only picked up on the news about Ortiz and Wolf and, and the young um, uh, amateur. But uh, just to ask you, because I'm, I'm curious on this, do you do you think the amateur, because I saw, um, I forget, is it Chikara? Um, yeah. Um, I, I saw him say something like, you know, I've no allegiance to anyone else. Not signed up to it, not contracts or anything. So, um, do you think his logic here potentially is that okay? I would have been because he's dropping out of college when he was expected to go back to college or whatever. Do you think his logic is okay? Well, instead of go to going to college for the next couple of years, uh, I'll go and make a shed load of money, set my family up for the next two years, set myself up, uh, and then after two years, you know, if it's a two-year contract or whatever, uh, after two years, and I can try and qualify for the PGA Tour and go from there, sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can see how you would think that. I I think uh, he probably underestimates the fact that he's in for a rude awakening when he goes to yeah. proper events with a cut. Yeah. Um, you know, playing for guaranteed prize money, it's not uh, conducive to being the best you can be. I think any sports psychologist would tell you that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. so it's a big leap. And, and the other thing with the amateurs, and, you know, I've gone back and forth on this in terms of, okay, recently the best amateurs in the world have all turned out to be the best players in the world. Yeah. We all knew about Morikawa. We knew about Hovland. We knew about Wolf. We knew about Scheffler. There have been many periods in time where the best amateurs turned out to be not very good professionals. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it could be that Liver closing the gate after the horse has bolted here and yeah, they yeah. want the next Morikawa and actually he's ranked 15th in the world yeah, yeah, and they're not yeah. looking at him. 
Um, yeah. And I, I don't think it's as clear cut as that. So, yeah. But yeah. as for Shakara, I get it. I do. You know, he's yeah. not earned a penny yet, has he? And someone's probably waving a couple of million dollars at him. Yeah, it's the people waving the dollars that. Um, yeah. Well, I guess on. if he thinks, and I suppose these rules aren't set in stone yet, but if he sort of thinks, well, I'd have been at college, uh, instead I can earn some money, get some more golfing competition experience, and then potentially be free to go and do what I would have done anyway. Um, then um, you can sort of see where he's coming from now. Whether, of course, in you know, none of us know we'll be this in, where we will be with this in two years' time. But whether in two years' time he would just be able to then sort of you know try and get a corn ferry card or whatever and play his way on to something who, who, who knows? But um, or whether he'd be in some kind of band store where we don't know. We're speculating, but um, um, yeah. So anyway, let's get back. Let's get away from the Smashing Pumpkins, Pumpkin Ridge, and uh, and the Wonder stuff, and give 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 more more more. Uh, and um, to our final picks for the week for the John Deere. And um, yes, um, I believe you're uh, well off into the three three figures. I think we've both gone for a couple of old uh, old timers looking to come back here. So um, yeah, tell, tell us who, who your next man has been. Yeah, talking about milestone birthdays as we were earlier, Bill Haas turned 40 last month. And again, that was the icing on the cake because I, I actually discovered that today, whereas I'd got all my notes for Bill Haas on Saturday um, when I first started researching when he was playing well at the Travellers. Um, He's got to step up, but he's made 11 of his last 13 cuts, which, you know, I, I, that's a significant yeah. haul. Um, and I know what I said earlier about the, the line between making a cut and missing one can be um, smaller than, than perhaps we think. But at the same time, for a golfer like Bill Haas, who's been through a very difficult time since he was involved in that car accident, uh, I think three or four years ago now, um, which saw a friend of his, unfortunately, sadly rather killed um you know clearly that that had a massive impact on his career and his life um he's had to put things back together i think making 11 cuts in 13 will feel very significantly like an achievement to him and like something he can build on he needs to carry on because he's still outside the top 150 in fedex cup points he's on a career money list exemption this year you can only use that once so he's off to web doc uh, sorry corn ferry tour finals if things don't improve but there are loads of signs that they are improving mm. um and and the fact that he hit his irons really well through rounds two three and four last week second tenth and eighth respectively in, in strokes gain approach throughout those those three rounds on on friday you know when the, the full field is still there he's the second best iron player in the field he's been putting well all year um he's not the best driver of the ball these days um but, you know, you're not going to get everything. Um, yeah. he's, he's a former runner-up at the Valspar to Charles Schwartzel, um, who, who played well there in the spring. He shot, shot 68 in round two there in the spring. I, I think the Valspar is a good target. Once upon a time, these sort of low-grade events were, were harsh fodder at the very mm. sort of start of his career. Yeah. Um, and although his record here is in some ways bad, he's missed six out of eight cuts. In 2019, when his form was broadly similar to, to today, I think he's probably playing a little bit better at the moment. He shot a third round 64, and he was, I think, third going into the final round. So he's contended here before as well. Yeah. Um, fourth in strokes gain approach that year. Um, you know, his irons last week were of a similar standard. If he brings that again in this hugely weaker field, um, why not improve on that 10th place? I, I thought he was, he was really, really interesting at 150 to one and bigger let, let's say I, I wouldn't want to go much shorter than that but 200 to one more than happy with that yeah um 
before I see your 200s and raise it to my 400s for my lot, <laughs> um, talking of comeback trails, it would be remiss if um, uh, we didn't talk about Hao Tong Lee, uh, of course. Oh, do we have to? Do we have to? Briefly, because otherwise we'll get the listeners here all night. But um, yeah, I, I know he's a player who um, have, has been very much on your radar of late. So I'm sure that um, uh, was a bit of a kick in the stomach. And that was even before we got to Cantlay in the evening for, for you. But um, I mean, putting to it because i'm not sure quite how many times you backed him or what have you late but i'm putting that to one side for a second i mean have you ever seen a winner's winner's reaction and speech like that before it was, no, it was incredible it was, wasn't it it was incredible yeah. and i think look he got a hard time on twitter for not you know shaking peter's hand properly i think yeah. um adam uh, thomas peter's caddy looked pretty annoyed in the mm. moment i would like to think both thomas and his caddy as things died down would give him a pass i give him yeah. a pass i mean yeah. i was actually back if you go back to the the handshake incident of mcavoy and deshombo yeah i was very much on deshombo's side back then it's like come on he's just you know they're professional athletes disappointing things have happened i know you're supposed to shake someone in the hand look them in the eye and say well done but just occasionally yeah. things you know and and with how tong i mean look he wasn't able to go home for i think 18 months then he he could not hit the ball on the planet. He lost, I think he lost 16 strokes off the tee in two rounds in yeah. one tournament last year. You, and I, I described it in the recent preview where I tipped him. Um, I described it as, you know, the best way to visualize that if you don't know much about strokes gained, he lost a lot yeah. of golf balls. Um, so he was he was on the brink and he's come back and yeah. he, he had everything go his way last week. But, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. that often is the case with a so did Xander in a different way, I guess. And yeah, fair play to him. And he, he's always been a very popular player on the circuit mm-hmm. and he's certainly got stacks of talent. So yeah, he, it was a brilliant win and, and well done if you backed him. Yeah, Dark Horse for the Open, 12 places each way or whatever. He's got some pretty good good record um, in the Open, isn't he, from, from memory? Yeah, he was third down the road from you, wasn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in 2017, uh, yeah, he would be a bit of a Dark Horse. Um, you know, he's probably one of those going to be on a lot of radars all of a sudden and uh, and yeah. when they'll start contracting those prices but if you if you manage to get on at a fancy price um you know the, the other one i'll give an early mention to just in case anybody does want to back him because i just know this will take off and i hope you don't mind me saying okay. this is is the keith mitchell thing and yeah. if any if anybody's missed it you know his sister uh went to st andrews university his dad is a member of the rna um his as i was saying with Scott Stallings, his ambition this year was to qualify for the US Open. Well, Keith Mitchell's yeah. dad said to him, you better qualify for the Open. And he went and yeah. did it in Canada. And um, actually, like the other thing, I'm saying this to Dave this morning, um, his one win on the PGA Tour is the Honda Classic. Well, you look at, yeah. you know, that's one of yeah. the best major trials there is. Shane yeah. should have won it earlier this year. Padraig has won it. Rory's won yeah. it. You know, Open champions galore. So um, Keith yeah. Mitchell's won. If you if you yeah. want to beat the market, I could see him going off 80 to 1. I don't know what he is now. But I think yeah. as that narrative gets picked up, um, if you're willing to sacrifice some places, and if you believe that these things could be significant. I mean, if you don't fancy yeah, yeah. them, fine. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm just checking what price is now for you. He is, let's see. Oh, he's not listed on Ozchecker. Honestly, yeah. what, what is the point? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you could request a price, listener, if you want. <laughs> um, yeah, well, then you'll probably get given 66 to 1 or something like that. But um, yeah, so maybe keep your powder dry. And um, I just, uh, I, I'm yeah. tr- I try to be forgiving and sorry i'm going yeah. to cut you off again here but like bookmakers haven't got him listed why not he qualified a month ago it's your job yeah. put him in the betting yeah. i don't you know yeah yeah Paddy's no, haven't no. got him skybet haven't got him come on yeah no 
I agree. And goes that theory. Sorry, yeah, you can cut that so, bit out if you like. But, uh, <laughs> no, no, no. We'll leave it in there, and um, I'm sure um, uh, most, most people who, who listen will probably have forgotten in a week's time, and then the bonds will come up. But uh, no, um, uh, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's a great. I must. Admit, I did. I didn't pick up on St Andrews things. So that's a great shout. So thank you for that. So. Um, yeah, my final pick, um, Jonas Blixt. Uh, now, I've only gone a half point each way on, on Jonas here because obviously um, uh, there's, um, you know, it's been a very long time for him, shall we say. He's had all kinds of injury problems, loss of form. I think it was a torn labrum or something that had him out. Um, uh, the game, he's been on a, on a medical, and I think this week is actually his final start. And I had a look at how many FedEx Cup points he needs, um, and basically needs to win. So, <laughs> um, and if he wins, he obviously has his card anyway. So it's a bit academic. So um, yeah, basically, um, it's a it's a big ask for Jonas this week, should we say? But um, uh, there's been just a. Uh, I mean, he did. Um, he was um, on the top five at um, uh, after day one at Pebble Beach earlier in the year. So there's been a sort of couple of so it hasn't come completely out of nowhere. But of late, he uh, qualified for um, uh, the US Open, uh, and after that qualification, um, he talked about how he was definitely seeing some positive signs of his game going in the right direction, etc. Uh, and uh, then he sort of backed that up with a good performance in in Canada. Um, shot a 67 and a 65 on the final day. Uh, missed the cut at the US Open um, at the Travelers. Uh, he finished 56. So again, another another cut made, and he had a, a 66 on Friday. And um, he, he's very. I mean, we know he's a strong putter, and he was third in the field in putting at um, TBC River Highlands. And if you look at his scorecard across the four days, uh, I, I mean. Um, it was birdie bogey, birdie bogey, eagle double bogey, etc. And, and he was um, uh, all over the shot, but he's he's making a heck of a lot of birdies, uh, and um, he's driving the ball pretty straight. Uh, his approach play was poor, very very poor. Yeah, was was poor to be fair um, at um, TBC River Highlands, but um, it was better uh, in, in Canada. And of course, there's a bit of a history here. Um, of um strong putters um performing well so um yeah i, I just um thought that uh, he was worth a risk at the odds um i, I mean is he going to come and win uh, obviously highly highly unlikely um uh, could he nick a place at 400 to one well i mean he's um yeah he, he's a class act back in his day and uh yeah, I, I was happy to, for a half point each way, uh, happy to wrap, wrap things up with him, just, uh, you know, producing a really big week on the on the last week of his medical, giving it a big big thrust, as it were. So, um, yeah, so um, I guess I'll ask you the same question asked about Ryan Moore. Can you see a time when uh, Jonas comes back and hits the winner's circle again one day? No. No? Okay. You think he's off to live? He's just a terrible ball striker, isn't he? But um, yeah. look, um, you can you can clip that up and it can be the advert for your podcast if he wins. Um, but <laughs> he's just one of the... I remember, you know, when he nearly won the Masters, I remember <laughs> vividly watching the interview of Rory McIlroy. I think McIlroy played with him either that week or he had played with them recently and with that he had that sort of little smirk on his face when they asked him oh, what what impressed you about Jonas Blick's game and he sort of said well he's got a good short game <laughs> and I think it was almost as if Roy was saying I do not know how this guy is on the PGA Tour hitting it like he does um but look I'm I, I'm being disrespectful to a PGA yeah. two, Tour two, winner, so. two wins or three wins yeah look he, <laughs> he, he clearly he clearly was a very capable operator so um yeah. you know yeah if you uh 
If, if, I mean, it's, it's, it's I'm really love strange. It if he top tens this week. Well, not oh, no, ninth, too right. I'll be mighty paid off. He comes ninth, but uh, yeah. But um, what's really strange about him, and and this, I, I really it's sort of hard for me to compute. It's like he's actually he's driving the ball really well. Yeah. How can you? How can you be like you know fairly long, fairly accurate off the tee, and then someone puts an iron in your hand and you cannot hit the green with it? Um, which is kind of him at the moment. It's it's bizarre. So maybe that's a sign that it will all come together. Well, at some I mean, stage. he did. I mean, if you look at his because obviously I did look at this. If you look at his TPC River Highlands scorecard. Um, he did. You know, he was hitting a lot of green. Well, let's put it like this: he was he was hitting greens and making birdies, and then you know, on other holes, obviously just off off the planet. So there was there was some good iron play in there. Um, it was just mixed with a lot of bad iron play as well. So uh, you know, obviously I'm I'm, I'm needing an improvement on that but um again he's down it's, it's a downgraded field obviously so um yeah but uh, uh anyway the main thing about Jonas Blix is it got me an opportunity to get um one of my uh uh, favorite jolly tunes in which is uh, you're not gonna play the Jonas Brothers, are you? No, uh, no I'm not gonna play the Jonas Brothers. Heavens. I'm gonna play uh, Hit by One of Eyes. Um, I don't know if you remember One of Eyes. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, mo- mainly known for the You and Me song. That was their big, big hit, if you like. But they also had a song called Hit, um, which um, I actually love. It's um, reminds me of the Pixies actually, and I think um, uh, the One of Eyes um, sort of take quite a lot of influence from the Pixies. So uh, uh, it's a sort of crunchy two minute rocking stomping guitar tune from their album uh bagsy me um and uh, it actually starts off with a line monday's no fun which uh racks things up pretty nicely i think uh, going back to full circle for the beginning of our um podcast and uh what i woke up to this morning with uh, uh the memory of Heath last night so um yeah so um so that's my final pick for the week um and um before we bore everyone to tears and run completely over time i think we better wrap up ben so um yeah remind us of your selections for the week yeah just five for me then so scott stallings pat rogers and nick hardy any the, anything under 30 to one sort of 28 to one and lower i probably you know would have left them out so that's just worth bearing in mind if, if you are as everyone should be uh, but um you know price conscious if you like um i would have a sort of baseline on those but um the price is available at the time of recording very happy with um and then david lipsky and bill haas um and if i had to pick one um i, I think lipsky's the one who i'm i'm kind of quietly confident about so fingers crossed Okay, and for me it was Adam Schenk, fifty to one. Um, it's uh, all oh, apart from Jonas Blix, who is a half point each way. It's all um, points each way. Um, fifty to one, Adam Schenk, um, all eight places as well. Ryan Moore at hundreds, uh, Hayden Buckley at hundreds, uh, Nate Lashley at one two fives, who is probably my uh, the one um, I would pick as my one, as it were. Uh, uh, Taylor Moore at one fifties, and as I say, Blix at four hundreds. Um, and uh, before we get into uh, reminding one of our tunes for the week. We have the small matter of the free bet to give away, uh, and um, we're getting close. We yet to have a winner on this free bet. We're getting closer and closer. Um, and um, yesterday's uh, or last week's um, uh, winner uh, was uh, sharing your um, uh, misery on Cantlay because he was. I already thought we might get a, get a winner for the free bet um, uh, going into yesterday, and he he picked um, Adam um, had picked uh, Patrick Cantlay, but uh, it was no uh, no dice for him, unfortunately. But um, uh, yeah, so I'm just uh, scrolling through. We've had some cracking selections as always. Uh, and if you bear me a second, I'm going to pull up some of those um, that we've had. Um, 
Oh, someone's just put in a song by someone called Wretch 32, Tractor. It's Wretch 3-2, Martin. Wretch 3-2, you're, you're, you're showing your age, I'm afraid. Uh, is it a him or a them, or who are they? I know nothing it's, about it's them. A, it's a him. Um, yeah. that you'd, you'd have to put a warning of explicit content if you, uh, okay. if you put so, that on the playlist. But yeah, definitely yeah. sounds like my, not the kind of thing I'd listen to then, so that's why I'm uh, calling it Wretch 3-2. Um, suspicious Minds caught in a trap, uh, as the Heath was on the final hole um not gonna go with that that's uh, two bad memories um a couple of people suggested john deere green by joe diffie uh again not one i know but um um thank you guys for suggesting that uh we had um the harlem shuffle um was suggested uh, as opposed to the harlem shuffle um we've got uh what else have we got here uh there's quite a few others came in, and where are we? So I'll just scroll back through all my messages of um, commiserations on Sir Heath to find all the. Um, what else have we got? Everybody hurts. Niall suggested um, by uh, REM, obviously, uh, and there were several more. Oh, sorry. So, well, I was just going to say this. Is, this will sound insincere because I have that unfortunate quality of being someone who always sounds insincere, but I. I really mean this it is for all twitter's faults there's a really nice collection of people on there who um you know whether they agree all the time or not they just you know they offer solidarity and support and this is not yeah. a serious job we do yeah but it's still you know it still can be draining it still does yeah, bleed yeah. into your personal life and so you know niall sent me a really nice message the other day and stuff like that it you know um yeah there, there are good people around yeah, no, absolutely. Um, no, and I got a lot of people saying, you know, sort of uh, feel your pain, as it were. Um, uh, it's another good song, actually. Dinosaur Junior could have had that in. Um, Chaka Khan, feel for you. Um, that was suggested. But uh, uh, anyway, I'm moving forward, not looking back. And um, I'm going with, and I was, actually, I was going to put this in the pod myself. So when someone picked it, I thought I've got to have it. And um, Gary Wilde um, has suggested uh, In the Country by the Farmers Boys. Um, now, this probably was for, for your time, Ben. Um, I'm guessing you don't know that tune? The nope. Farmers Boys? No, when no. you said uh, Country Yard, I thought you were going to say The Vines. So no, no different page. In the, in the Country by the Farmers Boys. And uh, there was this period of music around probably the late 80s where there was a big Norfolk scene um, and um, the Farmers Boys was sort of I think one of the leaders of this and the other band um, who led it were the Higsons uh, who had um, Charlie Higson from um, later Fast Show fame uh, as uh, their main member. So, um, but uh, in the country by the Farmers Boys, um, well-known tune for back in that day, obviously uh, uh, the Farmers Boys um uh, ties in very nicely with where we are with John Deere. So, uh, Gary, well done. Uh, you are the winner of this week's free bet. And um, uh, the other musical song picks, um, I'll just remind everyone of mine while I'm on a roll here. Uh, Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now by The Smiths. Uh, we all know why that was in. Um, and um, uh, Eight Legged Groove Machine track, Gimme, 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 More, More, More. I'll give you Give More, More, More by The Wonder Stuff. Uh, and my third song was um what was my third song gosh this is where i always forget my musical suggestions uh oh yeah wanna dies by the hit in uh wanna dies hit um in honor of jonas blixt uh, and your musical picks ben uh sophie stevens chicago um foxy lady by Jimi hendrix please watch wayne's world uh today by the smashing pumpkins and shuffle by bombay bicycle club 
Brilliant. Um, thank you, Ben. Um, I'm sure everyone knows where to find you, but just in case we've got some new listeners who don't know your stuff so well, um, just um, uh, remind them where they can find you. Yeah, weeping into a glass of beer. Um, <laughs> at Ben Curly Golf on Twitter. Um, but thank you as ever. It's, it's always a pleasure to chat. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get a winner between us soon. If not this week, then maybe the Open. Thank you, Ben. Um, yeah, it's been um, fantastic to have you back on again. I really appreciate you making the time because I know you're, you're really busy with all the other, other sort of previews and stuff you're writing. So um, apologies, listeners, if we've overran slightly, but obviously had a lot to talk about. Uh, uh, drowning our sorrows in, in yesterday and obviously looking forward and having to touch on the live golf stuff. But um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening again. Um, hopefully we are knocking on the door of that winner, having had two runner-ups the last two weeks. Um, so um, enjoy the golf this week, uh, or geez, the PGA Tour golf and uh, the Irish Open. Uh, and um, don't forget to turn the music up loud, and we'll uh, see you all again next week, where I'll be joined by Adam Watson. Uh, Ad the Villain um, puts up great picks on Twitter. He'll be joining me next week for um, uh, a preview of the Genesis Scottish Open and the Barbasol. So see you all again next week. Good night.